Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, 1 Kings chapter 1. And if I were to give this one a title, it would simply be the idea that that got awkward fast. <laughs> You're going to see why I'm, I say that, but we're just going to say it's going to get awkward really fast. But that is a really great way to encapsulate all of what First and Second Kings is all about anyway. We're going to get into that in just a second because as always, we like to do a little bit of a background before we jump into the book of the Bible we're in. But before, as always, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to this if you enjoy what we're doing here. Over on YouTube, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. On the podcast, forever always my favorite, partly because I love you partly in order to frustrate and aggravate our YouTube listeners. But be sure, whether it's on YouTube or it's on the podcast, you leave us a five-star review and then let us know how you're engaging with this. YouTube, it's not a five-star review. It's a subscribe and like. But I love hearing from you. I love hearing what's working, what's not working. And we have all different ways to do that. You can go on Facebook, the Facebook discussion. You can leave us some stuff there. And I love doing that. And for a little while, I'm going to read for you some of the things that people are saying, hopefully to encourage you, but then also to encourage you to let us know as well. I got an email the other day that someone said that this past year when they started following the Bible breakdown reading plan that we send out every day as a text message, it was the first time in their walk with God they ever read through the New Testament all the way. And can I tell you, I love that. I love so much that we're reading through God's Word together. And man, the more we dig, the more we find. That's why you need to go to the Facebook discussion group, that just Bible breakdown discussion, because even though we're reading through God's Word together, they are going even deeper in a lot of these things and asking great questions. And you should really listen to it and read it. It's one of my favorite things that we do on the Bible breakdown, and it is absolutely awesome. Well, if you want to get your Bibles out and open them up, we're going to be reading in the New Living Translation, 1 Kings chapter 1. But before that, as always, I want to give you a little bit of a background as to what we're getting ready to read. Now, one of the things I didn't know when I first started reading the Old Testament is there's four books, or actually six books, excuse me, that are all together, and they kind of feel like they're telling the same story. You've got 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, and first and second chronicles. Well, first of all, to realize when these were first written down in, in Hebrew, and then later they were translated into Greek, and then eventually Latin, and then eventually to English, all that, for a really long time, there wasn't first and second of any of these. It was one complete, really big book. And so there was Samuel, there was Kings, and there was Chronicles. And they were all written roughly about the same time. Well, why is it they're so different? Well, here's the main reason is this all was written down about at the time of the um, when the nations had been taken over and they went into exile. First and second Kings and first and second Samuel was written on the front end, the very beginning of the exile when they were overtaken by uh, the invading enemies. And second Chronicles, excuse me, first and second Chronicles was written on the end of the exile and they started coming back. And here was the thing. When the nation of Israel and then Judah had been overtaken and they had been destroyed, 
they had believed for a long, long time that because they followed God, they would never be overtaken. They would never have a problem. They'd always win. They'd always defeat their enemies. And they were now confused. Well, if God is with us, then why did all of this happen? Let's take a moment and realize how did things go so bad so fast and what in the world? Well, what the writers of First and Second Samuel and then First and Second Kings did is they said, here's exactly why all of this happened. And that is we didn't follow God nearly as much as you think we did. There's actually a whole lot of bad stuff that happened. And that's why you, you're reading through First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, you're going to get this sort of negative outlook. And it's very honest, but it's a negative outlook because it's showing the nation of Israel. This is why we're going into captivity, because we did not follow God and we went the exact opposite way. Now, on the back end, the captivity lasted for about 70 years. And on the back end of that, they ended up putting together First and Second Chronicles, which is a retelling of the same history, but it's more of a positive light saying, hey, we follow God once, and if you follow him once, we can do it again, right? So I can't wait till we get to First and Second Chronicles. We ain't there yet. We are still on the downward spiral of the nation of Israel, and we're going to get into it, and it's going to get awkward really, really fast. So a couple more details, and we're going to jump into chapter one. First, we don't know who compiled these different historical records that we now have as First and Second Kings. We're not really sure. We know it would have been a, a collection of scholars and scribes, but we're not exactly sure who it was that wrote it down. We just know that they did, and we know that it was around 587 BC. So this is just as Israel and Judah, because eventually, spoiler alert, they're going to divide into two different kingdoms, but they have been conquered by invading armies, and they're led off into exile. And so about the time they're led off into exile is the time that all of this was compiled. So that was around 587 to 550 BC. So somewhere in that time frame. And the time frame that this is covering is from 970 BC to that time when it was conquered or when they were conquered. If I were to give First Kings an overall kind of theme, it would be that your history tells a story, but not the whole story. Let me say that again. It's going to help us see that history tells a story, but not the whole story of what God is doing. Because as we're going to see interwoven all throughout this very negative history of the nation of Israel, that God is also there and he is making a new future constantly. And one of the ways you could frame and look at First and Second Kings is, wow, things kind of go from bad to worse to worse. But you can also see that while there's a lot of sin and a lot of neg negative negativity and all this other stuff, you can also see God doing some amazing things and constantly putting people in the history of Israel that's really rallying them back to himself. Which is why, for me, if I were to pick a theme verse for First Kings, it would be 1 Kings 18, verse 21, where an amazing person in the history of the world, and especially in Jewish history, his name is Elijah. He is going to come and challenge the entire nation, and he's going to say this. The Bible says in 1 Kings 18, verse 21, Elijah stood in front of them, and he said, How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And that is what is going to be amazing is all throughout the history of Israel, God is going to constantly raise up people to say, hey, we need to get back on the right track. And I think all throughout the history of our lives, we all have these seasons when we do well. 
And we all have seasons when we could have done a whole lot better. <laughs> but one of the amazing things about God is he always has a way of rallying us and giving us opportunities to come back to him. So I want you to keep that theme in your mind as we start off with First Kings chapter 1. And so we're going to read this and we're going to see how things just, I mean, picks up right into the action. We're going to see how this is a little bit of a precursor for what's going on. And it's going to get awkward really fast within the first four verses. So if you're ready, First Kings chapter 1, verse 1 says this. King David was now very old, and no matter how many blankets you covered him with, he could not keep warm. So his advisors told him, let us find a young virgin to wait on you and to look after you, my Lord. She will lie in your arms and keep you warm. Mm. Okay. All right, here we go. Verse three. So they searched throughout the land of Israel for a beautiful girl, and they found Abishag of Shunem and brought her to the king. The girl was very beautiful and looked after the king and took care of him. Oh, Lord. David does not have a good track record with these kinds of situations. Let's pick it back up. Verse 4. Let's read that again. She was a girl that was very beautiful, and she looked after the king and took care of him. But the king had no sexual relations with her. Whew. <laughs> Thank goodness David learned in his old age. But already, super awkward. All right. Verse 5. But that time, at that time, David's son, Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, began boasting, I will make myself king. So he provided himself with chariots and charioteers and recruited 50 men to run in front of him. Now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time, even by asking, why are you doing that? So Abijah had been born next to Absalom and was very handsome. Abonid... Abinajah took Joab and Zariah and Abathar, the priest, into his confidence, and they agreed to help him become king. But Zadok, the priest, and Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, and Nathan, the prophet, and Shemai and Ray, and David's personal bodyguard refused to support Adonijah. Adonijah went to the stone of Zeholeth near the spring of Enrogel, where he sacrificed sheep, cattle, and fattened calves. He invited all his brothers, all the sons of the king, and all the royal officials of Judah. But he did not invite Nathan, the, the prophet, or Benaiah, the king's bodyguard, or his brother Solomon. Then Nathan went to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, and asked her, Haven't you heard that Haggath's son, Adonijah, has made himself king? And our Lord David doesn't even know about it. If you want to save your own life and the life of your son Solomon, follow my advice. Go at once to King David and say to him, My lord the king, didn't you make a vow and say to me, Your son Solomon will surely be the next king and will sit on my throne? When has Adonijah become king? And while you are still talking with him, I will come and confirm everything that you have said. Pause. So basically what has happened is... People have already been told, David has already told them that Solomon is going to be the next king. And this is one of those awkward gray areas when it comes to, you know, especially during this time. You know, nowadays when, you know, one of the areas we think about now is like the, the British throne. They have a very clear line of succession where they can really say this person has to be king because of this and that. Well, back in the day, that would have necessarily possibly been the case, except the number one person who was supposed to be the king was the oldest son, and he's died. Well, then you had the second son, but he has also died. And so now there's confusion. 
and Solomon has been declared king by David. However, David hasn't died yet. So while he is on his deathbed, Adonijah, who is obviously very spoiled and used to having his way, has said, ah, I'm going to be king. So Nathan notices that David should stand up and he should do this. However, he's old and he's not really in a mind frame to really stand up. And so he's kind of crafting a little bit of a situation here so that he can help the king kind of do what he already knows he should do. So it's kind of a, he's kind of tricking the king, but not really, right? So here we go. Verse 15. So Bathsheba went into the king's bedroom. He was now very old and Abishag was taking care of him, which might have been a little awkward for the both of them. Bathsheba bowed down before the king. What can I do for you? He asked her. She replied, my Lord, you made a vow before the Lord, your God, when you said to me, your son Solomon will surely be the next king and will sit on my throne. But instead, Adonijah has made himself king. And my Lord, the king does not even know about it. He has sacrificed many cattle, fattened calves and sheep, and he has invited all the king's sons to attend the celebration. He also invited Abathar, the priest, and Joab, the commander of the army. But he did not invite your servant, Solomon. And now, my lord the king, all Israel is waiting for you to announce who will become the king after you. If you do not act, my son Solomon and I will be treated as criminals as soon as my lord the king has died. And while she was still speaking to the king, Nathan, the prophet, arrived. Kings, the king officials told him, Nathan, the prophet, is here to see you. And when Nathan went in, he bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Nathan, he asked, or excuse me, Nathan asked, My lord the king, have you decided that Adonijah will be the next king and that he will sit on your throne? Today he has sacrificed many cattle, fattened calves and sheep, and he has invited all the king's sons to attend the celebration. He also invited the commanders of the army and Abathar the priest. They are feasting and drinking with him and shouting, Long live King Adonijah! But he did not invite me, or Zadok the priest, or Benaiah, or your servant Solomon. He uh, Has my lord the king really done this without letting any of his officials know what should who should be the next king? So, obviously, they're kind of... And they're not really tricking David, but they're really making him make a decision here. Like, hey, look, this is what's going on. Uh, I don't think this is supposed to happen. You should do something, king. So let's see what happens. King David responded, call Bathsheba. So she came back in and he stood. she stood before the king. And the king repeated his vow. As surely as the Lord lives, who has rescued me from every danger, your son Solomon will be the next king and will sit on my throne this very day just as I vowed to you before the Lord, the God of Israel. Then Bathsheba bowed down with her face to the ground before the king and exclaimed, May the Lord King David live forever. Then King David ordered, Call Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah son of Jehoiada. Then they came into the king's presence, and the king said to them, Take Solomon and my officials down to the Gihon Spring. Solomon is to ride on my own mule. There Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet are to anoint him king over Israel. Blow the ram's horn and shout, Long live King Solomon. Then escort him back and where he will sit on my throne. And he will succeed me as king, for I have appointed him to be the ruler over Israel and Judah. You can almost see, pause, you can almost see for a moment David as the strong king of old. This is the David they're used to seeing. This is the one who is not about to die. You can almost... 
I mean, this is, I mean, there's no evidence this happened, but in my mind, it's almost as though he, he kind of sat up from his bed, kind of shook himself for a moment, stuck his chest out and said, this is my final decree. And so he's finally done this. And now here's the response. Verse 36. Amen. Uh, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, replied, may the Lord, the God of my Lord, the King decree that it happen. And may the Lord be with Solomon as he has been with you. May the Lord, the King, and may ah, my Lord, the King, and may he make Solomon's reign even greater than yours. Sorry for that. Verse 38. So Zadok, the priest, Nathan, the prophet, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and the king's bodyguard took Solomon down to the Gihon spring with Solomon riding on the king's own mule. There, Zadok the priest took the flask of olive oil from the sacred tent and anointed Solomon with the oil. Then they sounded the ram's horn, and all the prophets shouted, Long live King Solomon! And then all the people followed Solomon into Jerusalem, playing flutes and shouting for joy. The celebration was so joyous and noisy that the earth shook with the sound. <laughs> that is one loud sound. All right, verse 41, Adonijah and his guests heard the celebrating and shouting just as they were finishing their banquet. When Joab heard the sound of the ram's horn, he asked, what's going on? Why is the city in such an uproar? And while he was speaking, Jonathan's son, the son of Abathar and the priests arrived. Come in, Adonijah said to him, for you are a good man. You must have good news. <laughs> Not at all, Jonathan replied. Our Lord King David has just declared Solomon king. The king sent him down to the Gihon spring with Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, protected by the king's bodyguard. They made him ride on the king's own mule. Zadok and Nathan have anointed him at the Gihon spring as the new king. And they have just turned, uh, returned, and the whole city is celebrating and rejoicing. And that is what all the noise is about. What's more, Solomon is now sitting on the royal throne as king. And all the royal officials have gone to King David and congratulated him, saying, May your God make Solomon's fame even greater than yours. And may Solomon's reign be even greater than yours. Then the king bowed his head in worship as he lay on his bed. And <laughs> he said, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who today has chosen a successor to sit on my throne while I'm still alive to see it. You know, at this point, slowly as all this is happening, Adonijah and all his friends, their blood is running more and more cold and they're getting more and more terrified <laughs> because they realize they done partied a little too quickly. All right, verse 49. Then all of Adonijah's guests jumped up in panic and from the banquet table, and they quickly scattered. Adonijah was afraid of Solomon, so he rushed to the sacred tent and grabbed on to the horns of the altar. Word soon reached Solomon that Adonijah had seized the horns of the altar in fear and that he was pleading, Let King Solomon swear today that he will not kill me. Solomon replied, If he proves himself to be loyal, not a hair on his head will be touched. But if he makes trouble, he's going to die. <laughs> so King Solomon summoned Adonijah, and they brought him down from the altar. He came and bowed respectfully before King Solomon, who dismissed him, saying, Go on home. Well, as I can say, that got awkward fast. <laughs> it starts with old King David, who can get warm, so they send in a young lady to keep him warm. That's awkward. What's even more awkward is Adonijah 
he's ready for David to die. And he said, hey, you know what? David's not dead. I think I want to be king. So he goes and makes himself king only for David to say, no, not going to be you. It's going to be Solomon. Just more and more awkward. But here's the thing that I think we can learn from this is already you could see this is not a perfect history, but it is a history. And what we were saying, the overall theme of 1 Kings is your history tells a story, but it doesn't tell the whole story. Because many times in life, things don't go as expected. I'm sure Solomon, once he had heard years before he was going to be king, that maybe he imagined that when the time was right, David was going to call him in. All of his brothers would line up behind him. There'd be this wonderful you know, feast and things and everything would be perfect. But as we can see, it wasn't perfect. It was chaos. He had to almost sneak down to the Gihon Spring and had to be protected by bodyguards. But then once that happened, he still ended up being king. And I don't know about you, but there's, was times in, there's been times in my life when I thought, well, this is how it's going to go and it's going to be perfect and everything's going to be lovely. But it turned out that's not at all how it went. Things were nasty. Things were difficult. Things did not happen the way they were supposed to. But the end result is God still got us here. And I hope that as we read throughout 1 Kings that you see that, that almost nothing happens the way you would hope it would. There'll be seasons and chapters we'll read where things will look good, but then there'll be seasons and chapters we'll read where we'll really think it can almost not get any worse. We'd have to go back to the book of Judges for it to get any more ridiculous. But the thing is, is all throughout that, God's still moving. God's still doing amazing things. And I want you to see that in your life, that even when things are rarely perfect. Sometimes you feel like you go through seasons where things are rarely ever good. God's still moving. Things are still happening. And God is always faithful. I want you to think about that today. God is always faithful. And as we continue to read, God's going to continue to show his faithfulness in the nation of Israel, even though they often <laughs> go in a ridiculous direction. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that you are with us and you're for us. Lord, as we read throughout 1 Kings, we're going to read so many great stories of of wonderful triumph and success and so many great things you're going to do in Solomon's life. But God, also there's going to be difficulties and tragedies and people like Ahab and Jezebel and different things. But God, we know that through every success, through every failure, you're always with us. I pray as we read 1 Kings, you'll help us to realize that Lord, just like Israel, our history tells a story, but it doesn't tell the whole story because you're always with us and you're always moving. Let that be an encouragement to us today that because you are with us, all things are possible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, well, don't forget, Elijah said to them, and I think he still says to us in 1 Kings chapter 18, how much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. My hope for you is that you will do everything you can do to follow God today, wherever he leads. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for 1 Kings chapter 18.